like the show? Want to listen to episodes early? Consider becoming a patron. Starting at the $3 a month level, patrons get access to a custom patron-only feed where we put out episodes of Upstairs Studio podcasts like the Child Care Bar and Grill, Miss Becky's Classroom, That Early Childhood Nerd, the Renegade Rules podcast, and others early. That feed is just for patrons. You could be one of them. Go to patreon.com slash playvolutionhq or click the link in the show description to learn more. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Inspired Educator Podcast. We're back for 2020. We've had a much needed little break and back with some exciting new interviews and chats with some wonderful educators doing awesome things. Uh, So we're kicking it off this year with an interview with Tristan Page. Uh, Tristan is an educator at Adamstown Community Early Learning and Preschool. Um, You might remember me talking to their director, Kate Higginbottom, uh, at the very beginning of our podcast. Uh, So it's great to get to talk to Tristan now. Uh, Tristan's been an educator for 18 years and at the more towards the end of 2019 he wrote a great article um, about being a male um, in early childhood which as we know is a pretty female dominated profession Uh, so i wanted to catch up with tristan and just talk about what that actually is like Um, maybe put some of those misconceptions to the test and just get a bit of insight into his perspective i suppose as a male educator Uh, so hopefully you enjoy the chat with Tristan, as usual, if you've got any questions um, after the show, you can get in contact with me um, through our Inspired EC Facebook, our Inspired EC website, Instagram, wherever you want to find me, you can. Uh, And likewise, if you'd love to be interviewed for our podcast, I'm always looking for new people to chat to. I must say I'm absolutely loving getting to chat to different educators about the work that they're doing. So settle in and enjoy the chat with Tristan. There we go. All right. So thank you, Tristan, for coming in and joining me this morning before you head off to work for the day or to have a day with children. We start out with a bit of a chat first. Um, so we'll get straight into it with possibly the first question is just a bit of brief insight to how you came to be in early childhood and in the role that you're in now. All right. Thanks for having me. Uh, I Towards the end of high school, I realised I didn't have the best 
marks to go to university. <laughs> I did the exact same thing. I did the same thing. Uh, and but I also knew that I wanted to um, strive towards working in a caring industry or something to do with education. Yep. And I knew that I figured out that TAFE had some options uh, for early childhood. So that's how it originally started back yep. in 2001. Seems like a long time ago. No, that was me too. Yeah, it was 2001. Too. I went, that's it. I finished high school and went, oh gosh. Mm -hmm. I didn't quite, I wanted to do psychology. Yep. And I went, oh, I just didn't quite get the marks. I met my now husband during yep. that high school year. So it was probably the downfall. Um, but yeah, it was the same. I went, all right, what do I do now? It was actually my dad that pushed me to TAFE and said, Go and do early childhood. I went, are you crazy? <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> he must have known. And so what about the role you're in now? How did you come to be at Adamstown? Uh, well, after working for a number of years in Sydney, uh, where I grew up, yep. um, my wife uh, just asked me one afternoon, what would you, how would you feel about moving to Newcastle? I'd always <laughs> throw it out in Sydney there. and I thought, it's only 150 k's away. <laughs> I thought, yeah, sure. And I just, I'd just been working in a role, um, a room leader role, yep. uh, while working towards my diploma. And I thought oh, that'll be that'll be simple. I'll, I'll go up to Newcastle and I'll slip straight into a role. It wasn't quite as simple as that. No. <laughs> and as soon as I got to Newcastle, I realised it was a much smaller market. Absolutely. And it was perhaps more about. Who you know rather than what you know. Yes. Uh, so after... Newcastle's one of those places. It's very, it's, I mean, it's a relatively big place, but yeah. it's also at the same time a real small country town. Yes. Everybody yeah. knows, every, and especially in early childhood, yeah. I think everybody knows everybody. Mm. And when a place becomes available, someone moves into it, then someone moves into that place. There's not a lot of, you know... Oh gee, we're looking for someone and we can't fill a position. Mm. They're filled very quickly. I yeah. think, which is probably a little different to Sydney. I know Sydney, yeah. you know, there's a lot more opportunity. Oh yeah. You know, there's oh, definitely yeah. a need for more educators, mm. whereas Newcastle's not quite like that, I suppose. No. And I think what well, yeah, I would say, don't get me wrong, I love Newcastle. It's the best, <laughs> best thing that uh, my wife and I have done is moving here. But uh, there was yeah, six to nine months there where I was sort of questioning Is this where the right choice? Yeah. You know, I landed on my feet uh, when you know in Sydney and uh, thinking maybe this is a bit difficult but yeah. I had a very supportive wife that helped me through um, not difficult times but maybe slightly trying times with just trying to uh, get food on the table. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that, and that's it I think when you go from the environment like that, and especially if you've got a position, you're working in a position, and then you leave that, that's yeah. a big risk. Yeah. You know, and it's like it's obviously, you know, generally people move to Newcastle, especially from Sydney. They tend yeah. to move for a lifestyle choice yes. because it's like we're getting out of that busyness, although Newcastle's getting pretty busy now mm. too. Yes. But it's that move, but it's, it is it is a big risk to take and, yeah. you know, to not have something to go to. And yeah, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Isn't it? <laughs> Isn't it? Um, all right, beautiful. So what's been the most surprising part about being a male in early childhood? Obviously, that's the, that's the key thing, you know, that's the difference, mm. I suppose. And as much as we wouldn't want it to be a difference, it is. It's a female-dominated profession still, yeah. um, as much as, I suppose, 
there's a lot of educators out there who love it to be you know, more balanced, more equitable. Um, it is still not the norm. You know, no. you go into a service, and I do a lot of training in a lot of services, and it's very, very rare yeah. that I have men in my training sessions. And I love it when I do, but it's rare. You know, it doesn't happen that often. So what do you think has been the most surprising part? Uh, I think the most surprising part about um, working in early childhood, I would say not a lot actually surprises me. I've seen a lot. Um, (laughs) You're just prepared for it. I guess while maybe I've seen a slight increase in male educators in the centres I've worked at. Yeah. Could, you know, and it could be surmised that males are more widely accepted without question. Mm-hmm. Um, my own experience has changed over time, um, and, and, and I've noticed that I'm able to uh, have a bit more confidence to express my opinions and thoughts and be an advocate for males in the profession. Yep. Um, surprising. Surprising. I think, I think that while... Um, uh, if, if, a, if a female works in a male-dominated industry, they're not, they're not necessarily supported the way that I feel that I have been. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's a great thing to hear. Yeah. You know, I mean, unfortunately, I have heard stories of males who do not feel supported in mm. early childhood, but I think overwhelmingly it's the other way around. There is yeah. that support there. Um, I know when I was directing, um, I was fortunate to have several males that worked with me and, um... I always felt that they got a lot of support yeah. in that environment um, and, and not extra stuff. I, I think that's that's the balance and I suppose you're probably aware of that. It's I don't want to glorify the position either and I know um, one of the men that worked with me, um, he said one of his biggest concerns was that people would glorify it in terms of, uh, and particularly parents, oh, well, this child doesn't have a dad, so it's nice to have a dad figure. Yeah. And he's like, I'm no one's dad figure, you mm. know, like I'm not taking over as that dad role. Mm. Um, just the same as we don't take over as a mum role, no. you know. And I think um, that, yeah, it's that fine line between, you know, not wanting to, to glorify it and make it abnormal and, mm. oh, my gosh, we need to pay so much attention to this, but actually making sure they still feel supported because, much as we'd like to say it makes no difference being a female-dominated yes. profession, it really does. Mm. You know, it really does. Yeah. And I see it in the various services that I do training with. You know, just it's a different context, I suppose, mm. to a male-dominated profession. Yeah. I know my husband's a truck driver, so, mm. you know, working in that profession is very male-dominated. Yeah. When they have a female working in that profession, it's very interesting. Mm. You know, and I, he tells me things about work sometimes like that. I just wouldn't fly in a female-dominated profession. <laughs> so it is, it's different, I suppose. Yeah. But I don't know, I suppose that's good that you haven't had too much that's been surprising, but then yeah. by the same token, it's just that you're open to it, you know, yes. what's coming. Yeah. yeah, I think for the first time I stepped foot in the TAFE class in 2001 and I saw that every other student was a female. There's 35, 35 <laughs> of us, and I thought, what have wow. I walked into here? <laughs> Just, yeah, like you say, I think the, I, I felt that support straight away. Yeah. And while, you know, there was, I don't think they were glorifying me, but they were they were very supportive and they, they, yeah. they could see that there was that need for having males. Yeah. Had a, had a male perspective. Yeah. Them. And I think that's the thing. It's adding a male perspective, not adding a male 
thicker, I yes. suppose, is the yeah. difference, isn't it? It's having a different perspective and, um, yeah, I, I don't know, it's it's a hard one to mm. comprehend, I guess. Um, do you feel there's still men in early childhood who are, who are unfairly treated based on their gender? Do you think that's still happening? Uh, yes. Um, I think there's still, there's still seems to be a widely held belief that males striving to work towards um, positive outcomes for young children are suspicious yeah. and should be watched intently for the fear that they may, quote unquote, uh, show their true colours. Yeah. And that oh, that just it actually gave me goosebumps to hear you yeah. say that because it really, that's one of those things that working with males over mm. the years, I've, I've experienced that. Yeah. With, other educators and I've experienced it with um, families who've had mm. those concerns yeah. and you know, that really riles me up. Yeah, and I'm, but on one hand I can understand that um, uh, mothers or, you know, parents that have had... Um, Perhaps they've had their own experiences. With abuse, yep. Uh, yep. child abuse, uh, may be very wary and mm-hmm. rightly so. Yep. Um, because um, it's the common conception is that males are perpetrators of sexual abuse rather than women. Yeah, yeah. which is not always accurate. No. You know, it's 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 a misconception. Um, but, yeah, I suppose there's that level of understanding. But I guess then how do you get around that mm. and make those families, you know, support those families to feel comfortable while also, you know, supporting the male educators who have yeah. the right to do the amazing job that they do and not yeah. to be unfairly treated. Yeah, I think it's just a, it's just another another responsibility that uh, falls on the shoulders of managers. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I think too, um, I know in my experience, it's also the fact that actually child protection should be an issue across the board whether we have male or female educators. Yes. It shouldn't right. matter. You know, it, it really shouldn't matter. So we should have the same supervision practices. Um, you know, if they're worried about a male educator being alone with a child, I'd worry about a female educator being yes. alone with a child. Yeah. I'd worry about anyone being alone with a child. Yeah. Why are you in that storeroom with that child alone with the door shut? Or, yeah. you know, and it's not about being suspicious, but it's about taking care of the well-being of children. Yeah. and I think especially um, just thinking about what time of year it is, early in January, uh, we were having young families uh, come in first time to the service and they're having um, having to sort of relinquish um, their children uh, for maybe perhaps the first time in their lives. Yeah. It's, um, it's something that can, you know, it's very frightening for families and something that, you know, shouldn't be underestimated. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And I think that is a big part of it is being able to not become defensive. Mm-hmm about, you know, family concerns, but to work with families and to try and, I suppose, show some empathy and understanding for why those concerns are arising and then how we manage that together, I guess. Yes. Um, all right, what was the next one? Um, do you think, and I think we sort of talked about this just before we started recording, do you think there's some services who rush to employ a male just so they can have that, hey, we have a male educator, yeah. um, without that person being the best fit for the job? You know, is there that occurring, do you think? Again, yes. Um, and that's something I'll expand upon. <laughs> um, yeah, up until recently, um, I hadn't been aware so much uh, in my own experience of going for jobs um, and applying. 
I always figured that I was the best person for the job, so I got it. Yeah. Um, looking back at my success rate in interviews, uh, I would say it's very high. Mm -hmm. um, and but I, you know, I'd hate to think that I got a job over someone who was due to my gender. better than that. Yeah, yeah. better than me. Yep. Um, I can understand why. Uh, a service might employ a male over a female if they had the same experience and expertise. Yep. Um, uh, to, to try and create a more diverse workforce. But, um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I know, it is a tricky one, and it's just, it's something that I've thought about a lot, and uh, I, as you say, I employed several men to work in our service. They were the best fit for the job. Yeah. And I have no, you know, one of them still at the service, and I have no regrets about that. I know that they were the right person for that position. But I used to have other directors saying to me, oh, my gosh, I'd employ a male in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, yeah, great, that, if they're the right person for the job. Yeah. You know, it's like they have to still be the right person for the job. Yes. I did in interview a male who was not the right person for our service and they didn't get the job, you know, mm. like they weren't a good fit for our service and I wished them well and hope that they found another position that was better suited to them. But you can't just, I think, yeah, it's a, it's a really fine line between yes. wanting to, um, you know, have that representation within your service and add those male perspectives to your service, mm -hmm. but not to do that in a tokenistic kind of way, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I, I find that um, I actually spoke recently about this with my own director, um, Kate Higginbottom. Mm -hmm. and we she interviewed Kate on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and and she was saying that you know, she. Experience and time. She's she's seen services that will go. We need a male. Yeah. Um, and but but she was very firm on the fact that the person had to be the right fit for team culture. Sorry, little break in transmission. While I'm making sure this is recording. Okay, just come up with some sort of strange thing. This would be nice in the podcast when we go. Oh, what's happening there? No, okay, we're all good. <laughs> yeah, Kate, Kate was just saying that uh, it's it's more important that the person fit the team culture yeah. uh, rather than just be employed based on gender. Yeah, absolutely. All right, if you could give advice to any men that are thinking about moving into the early childhood profession, what would you say? What would your main advice be? Uh, by no means do I see myself as an expert in this topic, uh, though 18 years of experience may that suggest helps. otherwise. <laughs> um, I'd say absolutely. Uh, I'd love to be able to work with some men for a yeah. change. I mean, as well. Uh, <laughs> the lovely women I work with. Yes. But um, I think the, the advice I'd give is to just be yourselves, uh, not try to be particularly manly or not worry so much that um, not worry so much about any concerns that you won't be seen as manly working yeah. in uh, early childhood um, and I'd suggest that with just as with any profession they think long and hard about what they hope to achieve and what they can offer um, children and families 
in the community that they yeah. want to serve. Yeah. And I think we were talking before we started recording, you know, particularly around, um, you know, the pay issue. You know, we know that early childhood mm-hmm. is renowned as being a lower paid profession and there is, um, you know, the suggestion that men who may otherwise go into that profession avoid it because yeah. it's, oh, it's going to be less pay if I, you know, I'm working in a school. You will find a lot more mm-hmm. men in schools than you will in early childhood. And do you think that's that would be the reason? Is it that um, simple or that is it not that, it? That's definitely another reason that uh, men are pushed away from it and the, the thought that it is um, considered a woman's work. Yeah. Um, I would also encourage them to complete their studies yep. as soon as they can, yep. quicker than me. Um, <laughs> Look, there's nothing like a bit of time. No, that's right. Time's a bit. I think, I think um, obviously, monetary factors are going to weigh into decisions when you're thinking about what you're going to do as yep. a full-time job. Yeah. Uh, and that then impacts study too. Yeah. You know, it's like the ability to study mm. while you're, you know, working in a full-time job, but it's a full-time job where the pay rate's not as much as it would no. be if you were somewhere else. Yeah. It's a hard thing to make that decision. Yes. I know when I did my uni degree, I was already working in a service, um, but I was directing at the time. I was earning more money when I was working casual nights at Coles doing the checkouts yeah. than I was directing at the service. <laughs> so I was doing both of those jobs to be able to then pay for my uni degree. And it's like, that's that's a hard thing to do. Yet we want our educators to be trained. We want them to be skilled. And that's a great thing. We need that. Mm. But we don't actually support them a bit better to do that. I laugh, I laugh with you rather than... <laughs> rather than at me. <laughs> Um, but I would say another thing as well would be, um, yes, yes, it is important to earn well, or it can be important, but uh, for me, uh, I've spent the last 18 years working in a job that I'm passionate about, yeah. uh, developing relationships with other adults, but mostly with you know, children, um, that are, you know, it gives me great job satisfaction. Yeah, and I think that's that's, that's what I want. You know, if I'm going to be doing it five days a week. Yeah, um, and I think that's probably why most of us go into early childhood. Yeah, and why we stay. Yeah. Mm. You know, the ones who stay, and especially you know, as we say, we've both been doing it for the better part of a double decade. Mm. So <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like we do it because we love it. Yes. You know, and and that's it. You know, I used to have people say all the time, "Why don't you go and?" Add that extra year on to your degree. So I did a three-year degree. Mm. Why don't you add the extra year on and go teach in a school? Because I don't want to teach in a school. I want to work with small children in natural environments and get outside and play. I do not want to be stuck in a classroom (laughs) at all, Mm. ever. (laughs) So, yeah, I think that's it. I think you need to find that job satisfaction and, you know, it needs to be something that you love. And I think there's probably a lot more men out there who would love it if they gave it a chance. You know, and if they or if they felt that they could yeah. give it a chance, yeah. you know, I think there's probably a lot out there who think, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that, or maybe people will judge me if I do that, mm-hmm. or um, I know uh, Tash, so my other half of Inspired EC, Tash's yeah. sons just recently started his uh, traineeship. Uh, at the service where Tash and I started oh, out, yes. yes. Um, so, you know, and we couldn't have been more chuffed. Like, mm-hmm. we never thought he'd end up in early childhood. I talk about him like he's my own too, but <laughs> known him since he was two. Um, but we never thought he'd end up in early childhood and seeing him doing this traineeship and how much joy it's bringing him. 
Yeah, and he tried a couple of other things before this and went, oh, no, this yeah. is not for me. I'm not enjoying this. And now, you know, I used to go and pick up my daughter from preschool in the afternoons mm. and I'd see him, you know, engage with the children and I'd kept checking in on him. I'm like, are you still enjoying it? He said, I love it. I just love it. That's I was right. like, oh, that's what you want to hear. That's what you I want to hear. And I think, yeah, also um, at the end of last year I wrote a blog that was yes. about my own perspective as a male in early childhood. And while I haven't done a lot of research uh, to back up my writing, my plan moving forward for this year is to write more as an advocate for encouraging males to work in early childhood. Excellent. Well, you're always welcome to write for our Inspired EC blog, so keep that in mind. Um, all right, so we'll wrap it up with the who or the what are your top three inspirations as an educator. I know it's a really hard one to pinpoint. This is the hardest question <laughs> I've heard so far. Um, yeah, I'd say early on in my life, when I was under 10, um, my dad and I used to travel to Adelaide to visit his old uni friend, Ollie. Now, Ollie was 30 at the time. He's now nearing 60. And he was an early childhood um, educator, and he still is. Now, I remember interactions I had with Ollie and um, just thinking he was a, generally a nice guy. Uh, and then, yeah, as I got older, so, um, and he would share some of the stories uh, from the workplace, and I um, obviously some of that must have rubbed up. <laughs> on and I don't know that I can give you three inspirations, but That's the other inspiration would be my own father. Um, just, just the way when I was uh, very little, he showed a great dedication to his own studies. Uh, to become a librarian. Oh, it's like one of my other dream jobs. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Library's like no, my, my absolute <laughs> dream place. I love a library. <laughs> yeah, so he, he, he's, he's always been dedicated to his study and he always encouraged me to follow my studies and follow what I was passionate about. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, yeah it's funny. My, mum, my mum's an actress. My dad's yeah, a librarian, wow. so... An interesting mix. Okay, so that's I'm like two to, really different things. I'm able to, able to bring a little bit of both of those qualities yeah, to my nice. work. Um, and yeah, that's, yeah. that's about it. That's them. No, that's good. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. It's been so lovely to have a chat to you and find out more about what it's like, I suppose, being a male in early childhood, but also just as an educator. It's, I'm really loving doing these interviews, actually, just finding out more about people and especially... You know, people that I've had experience with or, you know, I've seen them in their workplace. I've visited Adamstown on many occasions and you were at our conference last year, yep. which was nice. And then we ran into each other in Woolworths and I didn't recognise you straight away and was really mortified. Um, but it is nice to hear more about how you got to be where you are and what you're doing and, you know, just to, I guess, keep up that good work. No worries. Thank Thanks. you very much. Thanks for having me. Right. See, that was easy. Need more Nicole in your life? Here's how to find her. InspiredEC.com, InspiredEC on Facebook, 
or at inspired underscore EC on Instagram. You can also visit playvolutionhq.com slash podcasts slash inspired to leave a comment or ask a question. Thanks for listening. Hey, we need your support to keep the podcasts flowing. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash support to learn how. One of the big things you can do is shop Amazon with the link we provide. You buy your cat food, you buy your kids' books, you buy whatever it is you buy on Amazon, you pay the regular price. We get a small percentage of it. Everybody wins. A lot of people are doing it. It really supports the shows, and we really appreciate it. Give it a try. Thanks. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.